and welcome. I'm Noelle Valeriad, saying hello from the Live Podcast. get your toes tapping and people up dancing, try this. Bring together a group of talented musicians along with their fiddles, tin whistles, and flutes, and team them up with a troupe of equally talented dancers, and what you'll end up with is a treat for the senses. Of course, I'm talking about Irish dancing. Irish dancing combines choreography, music, stamina, and great physical strength, wrapped into one fantastic display and performance. You've no doubt seen dancers like River Dance or Lord of the Dance. You can hear the music, you can hear the dancers, and it looks so effortless. The way their legs kick, twirl, tap, and stomp, all the while their torsos and heads stay perfectly still, as if the two parts are not even connected. How could a person's legs and feet be doing so much while their upper bodies seem motionless and almost seems to float? Well, fortunately, my guest today will shed some light on how she became an Irish dancer. And not just any Irish dancer, but a young woman who has qualified for the World Irish Dancing Championships three times. She's only 15, but she's packed a lot of training and experience into those years. And she's here to talk about it today with me. I'd like to introduce Madeline Hughes. Her friends call her Maddie. Let's bring out our world qualifiers. Woo! Woo! number seven one three, Madeline Hughes from Dunbar Maddie, thank you so much for being part of this podcast. And the reason I've invited you to be on this show is because. I understand that you have a very unique hobby. And to be honest, you are the only person in the world I know who does this. So tell us what is your number one hobby? I am a competitive Irish dancer. Wow. Okay. So competitive Irish dancer. When I hear that, I get pictures of river dance, uh, that sort of thing. Is that the kind of dancing that you do? Well, that's the more professional side of Irish dance. So okay. the competitive side is a little bit different. It's still like the same base dancing, except mm-hmm. river dance is more, you know, and, and professional shows is more group dancing. And it's all about the performing aspect. So tell me, how old were you when you started to dance? I started dancing when I just turned six years old. Six. So I'm doing the math. You're 15 now. So you've been dancing for nine years. Is that right? Yeah, nine full years. And uh, since September, this has been my 10th. Wow. So, okay, take yourself back to when you were six years old. What got you into dancing? It's actually a bit of a funny story because uh, we don't really know where I initially heard of Irish dancing. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so when we moved back to Canada, my parents asked what activity I wanted to do outside of school, like them probably thinking I'd pick gymnastics or, or ballet or something like that. But out of the blue, I just said Scottish dancing. So 
yeah, Scottish dancing, not Irish dancing. Mm-hmm. And so they showed me a video of Scottish dancing. Yeah. And I was like, no, I don't like that. The dresses don't have enough sparkle. <laughs> so, okay. yeah. So then they, they showed me river dance because my dad was like, well, maybe that's what she's thinking of. So when I saw that, I was like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. I really don't know where I saw it or heard of it, but we found out that they had an Irish dancing school just in Waterloo, and there's not too many because it's not the most common sport. So it's kind of like meant to be that I happened to choose Irish dancing and there's a school just right in our area. So you moved from the sunny island of Barbados to Canada and you knew enough that it wasn't Scottish dancing that you wanted, but very specifically, it was Irish dancing. Does that sound right? Yep. You you knew exactly what you wanted. So once that was determined, you were able to connect with a school. And where, where is it that you dance in Waterloo? I dance with the Doyle Corrigan Academy. So, Maddie, tell me, at what point did you start competing? The Doyle Corrigan Academy is a more competitive studio. For me, I started competing around seven at okay. just local competitions, which are called feshes. Feshes. Now, you you set me straight on this. A fesh is where you are competing individually. There may be other dancers up on the stage that the judges are looking at, but you are not dancing in unison with everybody else, as opposed to a Kaylee. Is that right? And a Kaylee's different. Yeah. Okay. Kaylee is actually done in soft shoes. So no rhythm, just light on the feet. And the Kayleys are choreographed. Everyone does the same dance, no matter what school you're from. Okay. So here you you brought up a really interesting point, and that's the kind of shoes that you wear. Because I understand that there are different types of shoes. A lot of people associate it with almost like a ballet slipper, but it's not, is it, at all? No. So the soft shoes are somewhat like a ballet slipper. They're black and they have um, laces. So normally when you dance, you'll wear white poodle Mm -hmm. socks, you call them. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of has like a a cool design on top with all the laces tied up. Crisscrosses up the front. Yes. Okay. And you are always on your toes. There's no rhythm coming out of those shoes. And the Mm -hmm. hard shoe, it's almost like a tap shoe. Okay. And it makes rhythm, kind of like what you'll see a lot in river dance. And um, you can go on point in them. So like a ballet shoe, you can go on point. Right. And when you reach a certain age, you go on point in your hard shoes. Okay. Yeah. So when you're up on stage, the typical kind of Irish dance that I'm thinking and you're hearing the really loud, coordinated uh, beat that's the noise that's coming from the shoes that you are wearing, those hard shoes. Is that correct? Yeah. Like how many pairs of shoes do you typically have to have when you're when you're competing? Well, you'll have one pair of each. Mm-hmm. So you have one hard shoe, well, one pair of hard shoes and one pair of soft shoes. It's got to be hard on your feet. Yes. New shoes are my least favorite thing because they're stiff and... Now that I'm, ever since I have was under 12, you go on point. And okay. you can't just like, you know, assume that your like new stiff hard shoe will be able to bend that way. 
So、okay. you kind of have to break it in, and breaking them in is something that I know all Irish dancers despise. It takes. It, it's pretty painful too for your feet because they're just they're used to more soft leather. Yeah. And as you dance, it gets you know softer, bendable, but some to the point where. Like my feet aren't growing anymore, so the the time I need new hard shoes is when they're just too weak that they can't support my feet when I'm doing the rhythm and the toes and everything. They've got to be well well made, I suspect. Yeah. To take up, it's, it's you're not just walking down the street; you are pounding them into the ground, basically. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So for for the people who have not seen an Irish dancer. Describe from top to bottom what you look like when you're going into competition. So we have to wear wigs. Okay.、Um, they're curly and put them over top of your hair. You've got a crown that matches the design of your costume. Then we have our, our dress, which is individually made for each dancer. So there there shouldn't be one that looks the same. Anywhere else in the world, which is、wow. kind of yeah, it's pretty cool. And then we've got our socks and shoes on the bottom. <laughs> got it. And and again, it depends on what dance you're doing as to whether you're doing the soft shoe or the hard shoe. Yep. Okay. So of all the dresses that you've ever had, which is your favorite, and why? Um, there's a bit of black, a bit of gold, some white. My dress is kind of a crisscross pattern, and it's sparkly.、Mm. It's kind of hard to explain when you look at it because there's just so much going on.、But. It sounds like this dress. If you could show your six-year-old self this dress, would she have loved it? I think my six-year-old self would have been very happy with <laughs> my current dress. <laughs> You've been in a lot of competitions. Some of them are regional. Some of them have been national. Some of them have been worldwide. So, when you are getting into the national, like all of North America or all of Canada, and certainly the worlds, the level of competition and attention to detail, I'm sure, just goes up exponentially. Yeah. Especially、uh, at the worlds, but when you get to the worlds, there's there can be over three hundred people, and they've all qualified to be there. So they're really like the best in their region, and、wow. you're just putting everyone who's good enough to be there on the same stage. So,、uh, Maddie, where were you when?、Uh, what what city were the worlds held in when you were there? So I've qualified for Worlds three times, and it's a different location each year.、Okay. My first year was in Glasgow, Scotland, which was a pretty cool destination to travel to. I bet. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's probably one of the favorite places I've ever danced. The stage is is really cool, and just sightseeing and everything.、Uh, it was awesome, and. The year after that, it moved to Greensboro, North Carolina, and actually last year we were supposed to go to Dublin, Ireland, for the 50th anniversary of the World Championships, but because of COVID, they were canceled. Next year, if if it's going to be held, I'm hoping, but it'll be the 50th anniversary, so most likely in Ireland. In、somewhere. Ireland, 
Yeah. It, it, it should be. My vote is Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would be terrific. So you've qualified three times. You were able to attend two of them. Thanks to our friend COVID, uh, the most recent one has been, let's say, postponed. And with any luck, you're going to be flying over to Ireland to compete again. Is that sound probable? I hope so, yeah. I think so, too. So tell me, Maddie, when you're up on stage, you had mentioned that there could be 300 people who are at this competition who have qualified worldwide. So we are talking the cream of the crop. How do you set yourself apart from all your competition with the judges? What kinds of things are they looking for? Well, at such a, a big competition, the judges are more looking for their top, top dancers. So everyone else, that you, you won't get much of a, a glance at a world competition. You're dancing with two other people. So just a couple of things. When you walk on stage... You're always catching the judge's eye. If you, you know, are smiling, you look happy, mm-hmm. you've got good presentation. Um, that comes with like, you know, a, a polished look, as my teacher likes to say. So, just having like your hair done nicely, good makeup, and a dress that pops. Mm-hmm. Um, but they can tell a lot from your demeanor. So just if you're, you know, if you look like you want to be there, then they'll enjoy watching you more. Um, when you start, my dance teacher always says that they, they get your, the impression from you within the first, like, eight bar. Come out quickly, just so that, you know, if something moves by fast, you're going you're gonna to look. Yeah. So you want to you wanna try and move fast, be loud with your rhythm. Judges will, will just look at you and try to find something wrong. And if they notice something that, like, bothers them, for example, if your arm is, like, way out, then... They're just going to not even look at you because they, they've got so many other people to pay, ten, pay attention to and, and rank, which is an incredibly hard job. I don't think I would be able to do oh, that. Oh, I, I can't even imagine. I know I would be kicked out of the judge's booth within seconds trying to keep track of who's doing what and how well they're doing. So yeah. you come out, you're, you, you want to perform, start off well, you make a great presentation, look great, you're exuding confidence, you're showing people that you want to be there. So I want you to think back to all the competitions. And was there a moment or an experience that you had that made you laugh? When you think back, you're like, I can't believe that happened. When I think back, I remember when I was younger, so still like in the um, lower levels of competition, I was doing my steps. And I completely slipped on my face. Oh, no. (laughs) And normally the judge will ring the bell. They've got a little bell in their booth if a dancer falls. And, you know, just make sure they're okay. But the one judge that was, like, at the table, she didn't ring the bell. So (laughs) I had to get up. And I looked really stunned. My dad told me, like, I was like, why didn't you ring the bell? So you're supposed to keep going if they don't. But it took me a little while (laughs) to keep up with the steps and, you know, just figure out where I was. Um, (laughs) But now now that I think back, it would have been pretty funny if I saw myself. (laughs) That would have been really unnerving. So uh, there's people out there who perhaps they've seen Irish dancing and they've heard your experiences with it. And they're thinking to themselves that, you know what, that's something that I'd like to try. 
what would be your advice to someone who is who's considering it and why do you think it's why do you think that Irish dancing is something that people should try out well I think Irish dancing is probably the best thing that I've ever tried when I started you know it, it's given me so many life skills and just the fact that you get to learn about Irish culture and you know celebrate this and compete with others who share the same interest as you it's, it's really a cool experience um, and just like the competition side like I said it, it's taught me so much in my life dancing throughout school it's given me good time management skills and you know I love what I do so I think if you're interested in trying it then you know try it and if you don't like it then you'll you'll at least know that that's not for you but you know, if you don't try it, then maybe you'll think I could have been a, a world champion if I if I only went to a class. Exactly. And, yeah. and you're a perfect example of that. So you started off years ago. You've worked really hard because I know that it takes hours and hours and, and you're in high school and you're a very busy student who does well at school. How do you balance um dance with school and other things in your life? Well, it's definitely not super easy, um, especially now that I'm in high school. I've got much more homework and projects to work on outside of school hours, which I'm usually, you know, dancing. So I have enough time. It's just a matter of do I come home and watch Netflix or do I come home and <laughs> do my homework? So I've kind of learned that I, I know when my classes are, so I just have to, you know, do my homework, anything else I need to do before then. And I find that I usually get it done. I just have to put my mind to it. But I've definitely had to make some sacrifices, um, like hanging out with my friends on weekends or and stuff like that. And with COVID, it hasn't been too much of a, an issue, but... Before yeah. before this all, you know, pandemic came along, I definitely had to make some sacrifices to keep up with school and dance. Yeah, I, I can only imagine. Well, it sounds that you it sounds like you've you're finding a really good balance between all of those aspects of your life. And you you had made a comment earlier about some of the benefits and the life lessons that you've had as a result of your dancing. And what do you think has been the, the biggest life lesson for you? Well, with dance especially, you'll make a mistake and get a critique or, or something to improve on. And I find, and then I have to actually apply that when I'm performing or practicing. Dancing, you definitely have to be dedicated and you have to work hard. And, and I think it's the same for, you know, my schoolwork and most other things in life. You just have to, you know, be dedicated to it, even if you're not seeing much progress. If you just keep going, then hopefully in the end, you'll see your result that you were aiming to achieve. Looking back at things, what has been the biggest surprise to you about participating in Irish dancing? I don't think when I started out, I expected that I'd be a world qualifying dancer. Because when, when you first start off, you look at all the older girls at your school and who are world qualifying. And, you know, of 
course you aspire to be like them when you grow up. And now that I am kind of considered one of the older girls at my school, and I'm at the level that I hoped to achieve, I think it's it's a bit surprising, but also like when I think back, it's been it's been a long journey. Maddie, I want to say thank you for being such a gracious guest today and sharing your experiences and giving very good advice to people who are maybe thinking about it. And we wish you all the very best uh, in the coming year and hopefully with you taking uh, the next step once again to Ireland for the Worlds. Thank you so much for having me. I've, I've really enjoyed being able to talk about this. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to Live. I hope that you'll join me next time when we meet another intriguing guest. Share this with your friends and family. Make it easy to find us next time and simply subscribe to the Live podcast by clicking on the button below. And remember, if you believe that you can, then you're halfway there. Many thanks again to Maddie Hughes. And until next time, I'm Noelle Valeriot, and this is Live.